Welcome to the Greener Way podcast, a show about people, planet, and purpose, and how investors and corporate leaders push forward in a complex world. We're well into the beginning of 2024, so it's a good time to look back at the year that was in sustainability in 2023 and what the big events and trends will be for 2024. Joining us for this conversation is our colleague, Julia Lesky, Senior Consultant ESG Strategy at ISS ESG. In the fullness of disclosure, ISS Stocks is the owner of both ISS ESG and ISS Media, publisher of this podcast. Julia, welcome back. I love grounding the beginning of our year with talking to you. Thank you, Rachel. It's great to be here. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, let's recap the year that was. From your perspective, what had the biggest impact on investments in 2023 in, tw- in sustainability? And did anything play out differently than you thought it would? Yes, it's a really, really good question because we always do these trends analysis at the beginning of the year, what will happen. And it's good to just sit back and look back at what's been going on. From my perspective, what's been a key headline has been the greenwashing action and the impact it has had mm. on investors that we've been working mm. with. We've really seen um, increased attention on getting the house in order, doing a review of information flows, ensuring um, everything is going into every part of the business. ESG has moved a lot more into the risk and compliance world as well. Going from having a really highlight trend of we want to do ESG into we really want to do it well and we need to make sure we have everything mm. there in front of us to do it well. So I think that's definitely been a big driver. Um, the the other big impact has been watching and understanding regulation. We now have regulation coming to us here in Australia. Taxonomy is continued to be developed. Um, with, we've seen a lot stronger than I expected um, and faster moving regulation in the sustainable finance world. And then climate reporting and progress reporting, we're really seeing investors are increasingly becoming more sophisticated in using the tools that we have and applying them and really looking Mm -hmm. into how can we not just report, but how can we make use of these tools to really have a good climate strategy in place? What hasn't turned out as much just as a small thing, is is really looking back at is um, obviously the Indigenous rights has played a big part in the discussion throughout the year. It's not played out as much in the investment conversation as I thought, although we have had an excellent toolkit launched here in Australia late in the year. And then throughout the whole noise in the social side, modern slavery, the Modern Slavery Act review might have not had as much attention as I thought it would, but I'm sure we will continue to work on that or have have more voices on that in the coming year as changes start to kick in. Yeah, it's a, that's a really interesting point on the modern slavery piece, Julia. Um, and I wonder if sort of some of that is linked to the fact that while we we had the review, um, I think in, in we had the, the results of the review of the first three years and there were some reforms that were mooted, but um, the full response of government to those reforms hasn't fully worked through. Um, there's legislation that's been introduced for a federal anti-slavery commissioner, for example, I think. But some of the other key planks of the reform um, haven't been brought forward yet. And I'm wondering if that might be impacting on the fact that, you know, it hasn't it hasn't been, you know, it hasn't been as loud a year for for modern slavery on some issues. Yes, I think you're right. I think there's been a lot of, if you like, background work being done on the review and on the 
changes mm. um, to reporting and also investors are getting a li- little bit more into a rhythm. So those who already have to disclose, they're getting into a rhythm of their disclosures and starting to review, okay, now that we've done it a few times, what else can be done or where do we want to go with this? So, um, but yes, I think there will be more coming in the year and throughout the year. So I don't think it's an issue that's been um, sort of, we are set and um, sort of in a working mode. I think there's still adjustments that we will see. Yeah. So look, this is a sustainability podcast. um, And so we don't talk about gambling here, but if I were a betting woman, I'd bet that 2024 is the year of biodiversity. Uh, How's ISS ESG viewing this? Well, I'm I'm with you on that bet. I think we will see. Um, No, I think there's there's no (laughs) doubt. I mean, um, already late last year, second half of last year, there's been a lot of noise about nature investment, um, biodiversity. There's increasingly tools becoming available. We launched our um, biodiversity impact assessment tool Others have launched similar tools. Mm-hmm. Investors are looking for ways of really starting to understand what will be reported, what data is available, what different things can you do. My big theme on biodiversity for this year is really moving from a deep dive case study mode into a portfolio approach. And that is really the thing that the theme, at least for us working with investors, that I can see work. Um, building Mm. up is understanding now that Mm. I have my portfolio of companies, hundreds or thousands, where do I find the ones that I should focus on to really monitor and have my deep dives on the issue around different nature impacts and um, what are the different drivers? Where do I need to, where do I need to start? Because that's really where we're at on the Mm. biodiversity front. So I think it is, Mm. it's going to be a big theme it's going to be a lot of navel gazing and testing and understanding still this year, but we 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 will see a lot of interesting outputs and discussions coming from the topic. Do you think that that sort of portfolio level, that eye towards portfolio level um, risks and opportunities is being driven by the fact that TNFD, the Task Force for Nature Related Financial Disclosures Framework is now out and you know, investors are sort of road testing it? Yes, definitely. I think it is a big driver. Um, Investors can see Mm -hmm. that there will be a demand similar to climate, that you have a way to report on what is going on in your portfolio. But at the same time as well, if you are an investor, be it a manager or an asset owner, you need to start somewhere and a heat map of Mm. your portfolio. Where are the companies that have the bigger impacts, that have the bigger influence on solving or contributing towards solving the problem? What are other levers that you might want to pull, need to pull? Is it a topic that is an engagement topic, a topic where there might be some no-go zones? All of these things need to be established. And you can only do that and have a real feel for it if you have a view of what does your portfolio look like with this thematic or problem space in mind. Mm. So portfolio tools and portfolio analytics plays a really, really important role. And we saw the same thing happen with climate and the climate tools that are being deployed right now and increasingly sophisticated are the ones that look at your portfolio as a whole and not just at a company at a time. Interesting. It'll be really interesting to see what sort of impacts and dependencies investors investors unlock as they start taking that total portfolio look. So one to keep an eye on in 2024. 
we already talked about the fact that modern slavery may not have been as top of agenda in 2023 as might have been hoped for. But it does also at the same time feel that the intersection of environment and human rights is getting even stronger, whether we're talking about just transition or whether we're looking at human rights abuses in like photovoltaic um, solar panel cells, the supply chain. What should investors be on the lookout for in this intersectional space, Julia? It's a tricky one, right? And I think one of the big mm. themes um, we might pick up on that a bit later as well is, is this interconnectedness. Is you can't do one thing and ignore mm. the other impacts. And with human rights, I think it's really going back to basics, like it is with many of these things. From my mm. perspective, it's really have a think. about. So for investors, if I was an investor and I was sitting there with my responsible investment strategy, make sure that you have a human rights strategy. What is your mm. back to basics idea of how do we view human rights in the context of us investing, being stewards of companies and what does it mean? Because if you have that baseline, you can always go back to that baseline and start to plot out your response to certain behaviours or impacts that are happening. It's not always going to be an easy mm. answer. And I think it goes back to make it part of your toolbox of how you implement a responsible investment approach. But human rights needs to be, mm. there needs to be a bit good baseline similar to what we have now for climate we will have for biodiversity you have to go have your back to basics why are we looking at this and where do we sort of draw the line traditionally it happens human rights monitoring happens largely through controversy monitoring but i do think that mm. maybe not necessarily entirely this year but over the next few years this will become a more proactive approach as in, okay, we also want to see preparedness and we want to, it, it, it'll become a risk monitoring approach mm. that is going to be more consciously looked at. Uh, and the interesting thing is, is that very quickly, and that's what we've seen through thematics such as modern slavery, we're looking into the value chain as well. Um, so I think there'd be somehow a, sort of a bigger platform around that, sort of what the name will be or how it's going to be phrased from an investor perspective mm -hmm. is going to be interesting. But I do think that it is something that will be addressed. At the moment, it's sort of in its own, if you like, splinter topics, but it is really that bringing together mm -hmm. the, the social or the human impact um, of company yeah. activities. And I think as we start getting uh, also as well as adaptation, not just mitigation and sort of looking at physical impacts of climate change in the here and now um, becomes a bit more pressing. Um, those human rights considerations will leap up a lot, a, a lot quicker. I, I, I kind of think. Yes. Yes. There'll be, there'll be so mm. many impacts as we have, I mean, scientists are now saying, and I mean, no surprise, we're swapping between El Nino and La Nina. <laughs> We no longer have seams at the moment. <laughs> seems we don't have neutral pa mm -hmm. weather patterns anymore here in Australia. But um, and and so mm. so those impacts are starting to to really hit us. And um, these impacts that we will have capacities to a certain extent to buffer it. But there will be also areas and places where companies are operating where these buffers are not as big as 
um, they are here. And even here, we are starting to see the cracks in the system. So it will be interesting to see how, from an investor perspective, this will be addressed. Absolutely. So, Julia, we've been talking sort of at the global level and high level in terms of the big issues. Um, but are there topics that are specific to Australia and New Zealand that you're keeping an eye on? Yeah. I mean, Australia, high level for, for investors, regulation. Um, New Zealand, we've just mm. this year, we'll see the first reports on the climate disclosures. In Australia, we will have the start of our climate disclosure regime. So climate reporting Mm -hmm. definitely will be still a big topic. But at the same time, I think if we're looking at a bit more, I don't want to say smaller or sleeper issues, but issues that are not sort of top of the agenda, but I think that we should be on the the lookout is continued on cybersecurity. Our team has had a really interesting um, piece on the healthcare sector and how we're increasingly moving Mm. into cloud-based or online services. There's obviously a lot of privacy concerns. Um, So cyber and cyber risks are there. We've seen it with Medicare, Mm. uh, Medibank here in Australia. So I think that is definitely something investors should have an opinion on. And another interesting mm-hmm. one that we're sort of um, on the sidelines keeping an eye on is the issue around deep sea mining, um, which then also, again, brings us back into what we talked about before is the re- relationship between nature, environment, energy transition, critical minerals, and so on. So I think that is definitely going to be a big topic coming up and still shaping mm-hmm. out. And and I think just the nature of our market here in Australia, there's a question whether or not we will be allowing deep sea mining or not at some point. I think mm. that's going to be a discussion that will come to the fore in, in 2024. Mm, interesting. Uh, particularly, look, I, I think that that it'll be very interesting on the cyber cybersecurity front. It sort of seems like that one is sort of always in the top 10. And then based on how close you are to a Medibank or an Optus, it jumps right up to the top three. It will be very interesting. I think cybersecurity is one of those issues where it lends itself self really well to collaborative engagement between investors and portfolio companies because um, there are certain issues around cybersecurity that are common to all at a pre-competitive level in addition to you know what's part of sort of commercial strategy at these individual companies. So it will be interesting to see if there's more of a collaborative engagement approach uh, to managing sort of the risks uh, and vulnerabilities on cybersecurity. Yes, yeah. No, I, I think you're right that it, it is, it's not something that out of a sudden you're more competitive. I mean, maybe you're more competitive if you if you have really excellent cybersecurity. <laughs> the thing that fascinates me about the yeah. topic is as an outsider, it's really hard to assess and really hard to understand. And I think that's also why a lot of sustainability, mm-hmm. sustainability people are amazing, right? They have to get their head around really complex <laughs> issues all the time. But if they, they have to be already mm-hmm. experts on biodiversity, climate change and human rights, and now they also need to be able to understand, mm-hmm. is this company tech-savvy tech enough to, under, to, to have everything under mm-hmm. control? And I mean, there are certain things that you can do and you can understand to have a conversation around that. But definitely um, mm-hmm. it is something that I think a lot of people shy away because they're a bit scared of the tech mm-hmm. not sort of slant to it. Whereas mm-hmm. I think if you get you can get your head around it in a meaningful way. Yes, I think it's it's sort of this you're right, is if it 
comes up and you're impacted by it out of sudden, it's really important to you. So for us privately as well, right? We don't worry about our personal information <laughs> being leaked until it's leaked. Um, so I think it's, it is a yeah, bit exactly. of that complacency coming in and playing in there. And I do, But we have had enough warnings now in Australia that I, I think it needs to be higher on the agenda than it currently is. See, it's so funny for me because I'm not a tech person in the slightest and I don't play one in podcasting terms. To me, cybersecurity is always a human problem because it's always the, 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 the you know, the, the wrong click or the, you know, the wrong phishing campaign. It catches the wrong person at the wrong time. So it's, it's, you can look at it again. It's, and that makes it complex again. It's not just talking about the systems and, you know, sort of firewalls you have in place, but how you train people and conduct and culture and all of that juicy human stuff. Yes. <laughs> All right. As we come, no. yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no. I was just commenting on on the human side, which makes it a lot more complex. And then, how yeah. do you assess a company when you yeah. have something happening that's not been malicious on the company side, right? Um, but what are the systems, mm-hmm. and how do you assess them, and how do you test them? There's lots of interesting things that that you can do in the background. Absolutely. Look. Again, again, the fun of sustainability, you can wander down a byway and have an entire discussion just on cybersecurity and the human factor. But as we come to the end of our time together, Julia, what's on your personal interest list? What are you looking at that sort of tickles your brain? Really, this interconnectedness coming to the fore. And I'm Mm. absolutely fascinated Mm -hmm. to watch how the more public discussion is really starting to acknowledge this interconnectedness. Um, biodiversity has really brought it to the front of mind um, and and just looking at it and looking at the investment world grappling with how you best address that because it's not just that you say, okay, we have climate change here and climate change impacts biodiversity, but if we have good biodiversity, we can also help solve climate change. So it's sort of great and bad at the same time and how do you now pigeonhole mm-hmm. these themes and how do you bring them all in uh, is really fascinating. Is this, this mm. prioritization? We've had a big trend in the last five years of making, really putting thematic labels on things so that we could, I think just we had to, so we could break it down into, we need to deal with this topic. These, this is really pressing and climate change is so pressing. It needs to take precedence of other things. But mm. uh, I think now we're really starting to get back to the point where, but if we're addressing this, there will be, if we really now just start digging out minerals from the deep sea floor, maybe that's not the type of transition that we need, but where's the urgency and how these things play up against each other. I'm really fascinated by that part and that discussion and seeing that coming up. It's complex. And um, I think that's why we have these these challenges. It's If they were easy to solve, we wouldn't be here to try to solve them. And that really coming to the front in the discussion, I find very fascinating. And I find that that's probably, yeah, that's what's, keeping me on the ball for this year I think watching how that <laughs> plays out and what we can do to to help and and how we can interact with that fantastic look and I agree with you as well if it isn't intersectional we're not here for it are we <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to Julia Lesky of ISSESG. Before we go, I'd like to ask our generous listeners of The Greener Way to stick around to the end of the podcast so that we can get our key retention metrics up. Listen to the disclosure. It's like eating your vegetables only with your ears. I'm Rachel Allen Backus. Thanks. 
Thanks for listening to the Greener Way podcast. If you liked today's show, remember to rate and review us on your podcast platform and make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Any feedback? Contact us on podcast at fssustainability.com.au. I'm Rachel Allen Backus. The Greener Way podcast is a product of FS Sustainability, a show about people, the planet, and investing in our collective future. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. The Greener Way podcast gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by discussing numerous financial sustainable options and our featured guests. It is not intended as a substitute for professional, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of The Greener Way are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. FS Sustainability operates under an Australian Financial Service License and the exemption made available under the Corporations Act 2001 in respect to any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the FS Sustainability website, fssustainability.com.au.